Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Everyone and welcome to episode 447 of Longbox Heroes. Joe being joined by Todd. Todd, you know me. I'm just a thorn looking for a side, Joe. Mm. And I think I found the perfect side. It's yours. Every rose has its thorn, and every side has its thorn. Mm. So does that mean your side is rose? Something that's not very well thought out. We got to workshop that one. No, I think my line was actually pretty good, though. Okay. I wouldn't say that you're a thorn in my side. You cause me little to no agita. Mm, at least they cause a little to no agita. Little to no. Right. Uh, I would say that maybe if I was to count them out, one, maybe two of the gray hairs in my beard are from you. Ah, I don't have gray hair in my beard. Mine's more salt and pepper. Salt and pepper here? Shoop, shoop a doop. Right. Hey, we have a comic book podcast to do. <laughs> yes, we do. Right. And we have a bunch of news to discuss, of course. Uh, we have the long-awaited return of a Marvel 90 staple, and it's not the one you're thinking of. Uh, a new Jason Aaron co-written book. Coming out this summer in conjunction with another Jason Aaron co-written book coming out this summer. And on another podcast that I listened to that talked about wrestling, not this one. Right. Or not Adults with Wrestling. It's called Between the Sheets. They go through the history of wrestling. It's like, oh, this week in history. And one of the things they always say is... You know, WCW will do some sort of thing. It's like, oh, well, we filmed the show, and we aired the event center for next week's show, which gives out the way the results of the show that you're watching right now. And every time they read one of those stories, they always say, WCW, everybody. Well, I think now we need to start saying, DC, everybody, because we got two stories. What two stories? <laughs> one about a TV show on the DC Universe app, and... uh the staple, the linchpin of our news segment for 2019, and I have a feeling it'll be the st- the, s- the linchpin and staple of our news segment for 2020 as well. Oh, goody. I think I'm still in the lead, but anyway, go ahead. Anyway, a uh, bunch of conventions going on this weekend, and it is a very busy weekend. they got to make up for having no conventions over Easter, digital sales, and new freebies to discuss. What we read this past week, which is War of the Realms, number two, and Thor, number 12, uh, along with what we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd's Art Attack, a peek over at some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through, of course, and... TV talk with discussion of the latest episode of Legends of Tomorrow and the most two recent episodes of Cloak and Dagger. Yes. All right. So I want to talk about the Jason Aaron stuff. Okay. So it was announced that Jason Aaron and Dennis Hopeless, which is the name he had written under for all these other years and is now going by his shoot name, which I refuse to call him by. 
uh, are doing a book for Image called Sea of Stars. And this one kind of snuck up on me. I know that Jason Aaron had any new projects coming out, uh, especially one coming out this soon. You know, usually a lot of times a big-name creator will announce something, and then they're like, yep, it'll be coming out, uh, I don't know, some other day that's not today. Mm-hmm. But it's coming. Uh, so I want to mention that because, hey, it's Jason Aaron. I just need to know, just tell me the title of the book, the day it comes out, and I'm there. But obviously it being co-written by Dennis Hopeless was interesting. And then I saw that the new Valkyrie book, which we'll actually be talking about a little bit when we get into what we read this past week discussion, discussion. we knew that the Valkyrie book was coming out from Jason Aaron, but it's also being co-written uh, by Al Ewing. Mm-hmm. Now, on the cover material that's coming out, it does have uh, Al Ewing's name first above Jason Aaron's. So it's very interesting that Jason Aaron is now kind of into that position of being the guy who launches a new book, whether it be here at Marvel or over at Image, with another, you know, I would say big name person or equally na- big name person. And then eventually, I'm sure it'll just become... Not Jason Aaron on the book. The Bendis effect? The Bendis effect. So that's kind of cool that Jason Aaron is at that level in his career. He's the big man on campus now, isn't he, over at Marvel? I would certainly think so. You know, Hickman, I guess, kind of... Okay, so we talked a little bit about it on the show last week, and we also talked about it at the shop as well about over at DC is Tom King or Scott Snyder, the big dog there. Right. And I think the consensus came from on the show last week. I was not 100% sold that it was Tom King, even though I'm a Tom King fan. After talking to a retailer, we I kind of got a little bit more information that kind of like tips the scales to Tom King's way, which is kind of cool to think of. So now I think over at Marvel whatever that top position would be, Bendis, Jason Aaron is now the Bendis. So you think uh, Jason Aaron is uh, is above Dan Slott? Yes. Okay. Uh, I do too. That's and that I being asked. said, I think uh, Jonathan Hickman, you know, feel as you may about this, is Marvel's Grant Morrison. Ooh, don't insult him like that. Um, I think... I, I think Hickman, he does have a he does have a tendency to to be out there, but he did write Secret Wars and that was amazing. So uh, he did some FF stuff that I love, but he's oh, I, I I don't like Morrison. He's one out of ten. Right. Where I think Hickman's more of a four out of ten for a guy for me. Where I, I where I'm going more with the Hickman Morrison comparison is less about our feelings on the material. Mm-hmm. But it's more so of there was that time where Grant Morrison was like, he's the writer on Justice League, and he has these big, crazy ideas for Justice League that are going to be wide-sweeping and still felt 20, 30 years in the future. And then Grant Morrison more so became like, I have a quirky idea I want to do, and I'm going to do it. And then when I'm done, it'll come out eventually. Uh, when I'm done, I'm going to go away for like two years, and I don't know, you just won't hear from me. Maybe I'll pop up and say, like, I have a Netflix show, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to say, I'm going to completely redo Green Lantern. And then he completely does Green Lantern and gets critical acclaim, and I don't know if anybody buys it, but a lot of people <laughs> do. You and I, th- this podcast doesn't. Whereas I think Hickman was like, I have these grand sweeping changes for the Fantastic Four, and then I have these grand sweeping changes for this big idea of 
Secret War, and then it'll come out eventually, you know, uh, when it comes out, and then I'm going to disappear and not write comics for two years, and then I'm going to come back, and I got this grand sweeping change for the X-Men, and then maybe I'll be on it for like three or six months, and then I'll go away, and everybody kind of just keep doing what I, what I put in place. I gotcha. I think Hickman was around doing doing stuff, it's just we didn't notice, it wasn't on our radar. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, I th- you know, I say that Morrison was doing stuff, like, I think he was doing, like, some sort of Klaus book for Boom that was, like, this weird right. Santa and a, analog, and, and you know, you didn't hear anybody science. talking about it. Right, wasn't he doing, like, a black science or something like that? Right. So. So where I'm and going he's... with this is, I'm glad to see Jason Aaron kind of elevated to be that top dog status at Marvel, and, you know, Image as well, of course, and him co-writing these books... I'm just interested to see how long Aaron's name is going to appear on these books. I agree. And the only thing, and I made the joke last week, maybe, I don't know when it was that, uh, like, I just want to see more Southern bastards. Like with this, with these announcements. All right. I get the, the Valkyrie book. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because as we discussed, there was the whole thing with either you do your Wolverine book or you do your Punisher book. You know, I, I get numbers on what, how that works. But if you're going to do another image book, I kind of want, I, so it makes me how much of the heavy lifting is Aaron going to do, um, with, you know, getting help because if, if you're going to do a book, you might want to finish the project that you already have started. That's the way I look at it. That's 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 a good plan, you know. So I don't think he's going to be doing a lot of the image book. I think that that's uh like I'll like I'll joking aside the Bendis effect is going to be I'm helping him along, you know. Right, Not my so name much. got this book sold. Right, and you know, uh after the first arc, I think uh, Dennis has got the the reins on this one, and maybe yes, I'll I... peek in every now and then, mm-hmm. just to make sure the wheels haven't fallen off or so. Something. We'll see in a couple of ep- issues. That's what I want to see. Right, and this is not a slight on Dennis Hopeless uh, or Alan no. Ewing, who I think are fine writers in and of their own right. But, you know, obviously Jason Aaron moves books on this show, and I think for a right. lot of our listenership as well. Yes. So uh, another thing that I'd be interested to see how it would move amongst our listenership, because I know how it's going to move amongst you and I, uh, Marvel, with their July solicitations, have announced that they're bringing back the summer special slash swimsuit issue, mm-hmm. where it's just a bunch of cheesecakey pinups of varying, and I don't want to say quality because they were always like the good cheesecakey artists of the time, right? Uh, but of tenuous grasps on reality. What do you mean? Uh, I think some of the more memorable ones are where Sue is wearing an invisible bikini. That's a great one. That's like anti-tan lines right there. (laughs) And she's standing in front of the waterfall, and the water is going behind her. It was a very nice piece, but I'm like, the logistics of this one, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, there's There's a Punisher one where the Punisher swimsuit is... A skull on a string tied around his junk. Well, that's a great, uh, you know, swimsuit. Right. And again, I don't think, you know, we're already buying it. And my favorite part of the swimsuit issues, and sadly I do not have them uh, directly in front of me. I still do own, uh, there were the three of them, right, previously? 
I think there might have been even more, but go ahead, yeah. Okay. So there would always be, like, a tenuous plot to why this was going on. It was mm-hmm. like, the Watcher has whisked everyone away and decided to give all the heroes and villains of the Marvel Universe a day off on some sort of far-off planet where they mm-hmm. can put their rivalries aside and bask in the sun and blah, 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 and then return them back to where they once came. Or, like, some sort of, like, flimsy premise, you know? And I admired mm-hmm. them for trying the flimsy premise. But right, as I j- look... <laughs> As I look at the solicitation for this, of course, nothing's announced, but both writers and artists are various. I'm interested to see who gets the writing credits on this one. Right. That's not even my favorite part of uh, what the thing I want. If they do this, have beautiful pinup art. I'm fine with that. You want to have an overarching story, like you said, the Beyonder whisks them away or whatever. What I want is the cheesy ads that they had in them. Like literally, like there's a like my favorite one to this day is still the Latvian Express credit card. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you know me? Though I rule over Latveria with a fist of iron, I find when I'm outside na- my native country, my face isn't well known. That's why when I'm not carrying out my plans of world conquest, I'm carrying this <laughs> Latvian Express, right? And I'm like, that's classic Mike Mignola art. And then another one of my favorites was the beard of Odin is legendary. But what about his sons? And there's like a Walt Simonson, like before and after picture of uh, uh, Thor with the beard when he had the beard and without and when he has the beard, he's all like curmudgeon looking. Then after he's all smiling and it's like zounds, even the Odin sword itself could deliver no finer a cut. And for such a pittance. And it's like. I'm just like, give me all of these and I will be as happy as a clam. And the name of the the razor was Flick Disposables. And there's so much more to it that I'm not even going to read, but it's fantastic. Right. So there was a bunch of them that they actually spun out of like, what was the uh, Marvel did like a quarterly magazine that was kind of like a parody of themselves where like, those ads initially came from, and that's where the swimsuit thing came from. Because right. as, I'm look, as I'm looking at this here, there were five different swimsuit issues, swimsuit mm-hmm. specials, excuse me. The first one, though, was the swimsuit issue of whatever that magazine Marvel put out. Oh, really? Yes. Listen, I'm doing my due diligence on the fly, brother. I did some diligence duly, too, mm-hmm. so... And so that was so successful that they did the four more swimsuit specials after that. And I do want to correct myself. So not only was the Punisher just wearing uh, a skull, I would assume, thong, but Namor was essentially just wearing a shell over his business. And I just want to mm-hmm. say that Namor's shell was much smaller than Punisher's skull. Uh Some of the more egregious ones. Now, Sue, in her invisible bikini, wasn't standing in front of a waterfall. She was, like, standing in front of a bunch of monsters. Mm -hmm. And, like, you could see the monsters through the swimsuit. But some of the more ridiculous ones were, like, Morbius, the living vampire, had, like, a (laughs) bat, like, bathing suit. Uh, There's a very famous X-Men one that, when you see it, you'll know it. Uh... Captain America's one is pretty ridiculous. Uh, but it was just... Oh, so what's this? Uh, 
there's some ad here with Beast where it's a, it's a shampoo ad mm-hmm. where it's Beast and split down the middle is Blue Beast and one side his hair is like all matted and whatnot. Right. And the other one is smooth. And it said one side of Beast was washed with the leading shampoo, the other with Ultra X with new and improved conditioning factors. Which would you prefer? Right. Like, I found a watcher one that has, on a clear day, he could see forever with a little help, and there's ozone sunglasses. <laughs> and then there's another one with this man, and it's Volstog, lost 10 pounds using super slim-down shakes. Volstag, like 10 pounds would matter. Oh. And there's... I, you didn't mention that there was another Thor one where it's a it's a handyman tools ad where it lists all the things that Thor's hammer can do, but mm-hmm. it says the one thing that it can't do is pull a uh, nail out of a board. Wow, <laughs> that's fantastic! Oh, and there's a Rob Liefeld ad with cable what? for four for four hundred one zip your zipper jeans, <laughs> and it's just like the. Oh, no, it's not Rob. It's somebody making fun of Rob. Uh, yeah, because he was gone at this time. And it's just like all anatomy, all wonky, and big guns and grenades and no feet. Oh, my God. This is this is terrible. I can't wait for this. Right. For this uh, swimsuit special. I'm going to buy ten of them. Oh, my goodness. Well, I hope there's variant covers because I'll have to check those out myself. Oh, me too. So, yeah, so I'm excited about that. That's a fun thing for Marvel to be coming back from. That's right. And I don't think we have any other news after this. Oh, boy, Todd. Of course we have news. Now, again, I'm just going to paintbrush this one very quickly. Mm-hmm. Doomsday Clock 10 is late, Todd. What? But the the effects are finally being felt because now they've pushed 11 back a week. <laughs> I think they had to. Wasn't it on top of the date? Uh, yes. <laughs> Well, you were claiming that they were both going to come out on the same day. Yes. Wait, wait, don't make me bust out the ringtone maker, Joe. (laughs) So, yeah. um, I don't know what's going on with this book. Um, The only thing that I could... It's cute of them to say that issue 11 is going to be out a week later. You're adorable, DC. You just keep being you, DC. The only thing I can say is that he's busy doing that it's like we discussed that it's Jeff Johns and with Stargirl in production at the DC universe app, that TV show, I think that's, what's getting all his time. They're like, we're, we're producing a TV show. Put, put your cute little comic book down and come write me some scripts, some scripts. (laughs) Yeah. So the other thing, of course I want to mention, so this was brought to my attention by some other folks, of course, regarding the delays uh, with this, that, you know, DC has been putting stuff out there to the retailers on how very seriously they're taking all of this, of course, mm-hmm. and how they are really striving to make sure that this book is out in a timely fashion. But you say one thing and you do something else. Um, I think there was a quote uh, from Dan himself to the retailers that said, no one here is treating the shipping of this book lightly and we're trying to manage the delivery to the best of everyone's expectations. We are recalibrating the speed of which we are receiving finished pages and hope to have a definitive schedule shortly. Oh, good. And that was 
about three weeks ago. <laughs> so any day now. Any day now they're going to have that definitive schedule for three issues of a series that was supposed to be done however long ago it was. Well, I mean, with now Doomsday Clock 10 not getting pushed back anymore, I mean, because I think this was the last one. Oh, certainly. We we should be good. So then 11 should be out a week later. We're all good. Now, one thing that is going to be on time, Todd, is part of the DC Universe streaming app, and they did just inform us uh, that I think it's something like 21,000 books are available uh, mm-hmm. through the as part of your DC Universe subscription, in addition to a bunch of the back catalog of TV shows, movies, direct-to-DVD stuff, the original series is is is, is like uh, Doomsday or Doom Patrol, Doomsday Clock, oof, uh, <laughs> Doom Patrol and Titans. But the next big one was going to be Swamp Thing, and you know I kind of. Oh, it got ordered for a pilot. I'm like, oh, we'll believe it when I see it. And, mm-hmm. you know, then it got ordered for a series. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. I still have a feeling about this. And I think we had touched on it briefly last week where it's not part of the DC Universe streaming thing, but it is a DC Vertigo property in Why the Last Man was going to be an FX show. And they just fired the showrunners on it. Mm-hmm. And they're starting that completely over again from scratch. So that seems like it's going to f- run smoothly. Right. So speaking of running, well, again, it's definitely going to run smoothly because uh, Swamp Thing, which was originally going to be 13 episodes, they just shut production down with only 10 episodes finished. The the reverse Bendis. Less less episodes <laughs> and, a, and a not-so-good ending. Right. Um, I'm, I, when you tweeted that out, I'm like, oh, I can't react to that tweet because that was too good. I hope Todd says it on the show. I did. I, I know I know my, my A material, and I will use it a thousand times. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing that has me upset is because I saw some of the props for the element of trees that they said, like, now they won't be in it. Like, we have them. They were in episode uh, 11, 12, and 13, and no longer. And I'm like, oh, man. And this this actually has me sad, because it was the one that could get me to get DC Universe. You know what I mean? And I still might, because there's 10 episodes. But I have a feeling that that landing's going to be a little harder to stick when they go... You know, you know that ending you had in thirteen episode thirteen that you were building up to using eleven and twelve. Um, forget all that, just wrap it up with ten. That I, you could, I can imagine that's going to be the most hurried ending in a TV show in a long time. I, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how they're going to fashion a definitive ending out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see missing one. Or having to wrap up production for other reasons and we're going to pick up the rest and maybe things will just be delayed for the release. But that's like within 24 hours of them announcing that production shut down, they released a trailer and said, yeah, it's still going to get released May 31st. Get ready, everybody. Uh, there's just somebody's going to yell off camera. Hey, everybody, Alec Holland's okay. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> One could only hope. Yep. But I look at it as, uh, you know, DC cancellations. It's not just for comics anymore. But it's like, how can, you know, 
we've talked before about how the Marvel shows all got canceled from Netflix streaming service. Mm-hmm. This is DC's own streaming service. How could they cancel their own stuff? Well, they didn't cancel it. They shortened it. So, and hopefully they'll fit. I'm hoping that they will, they will do the ending in like a direct to app movie at some point, like the end of the man, the Andraco Manhunter run. They're going to reprint it. This could be like a whole new thing for you to get all in an uproar over Joe. And that's the thing. I'm not in an uproar over this. I, you know, I, I want there to be a good, cool swamp show. Um, I know there are people out there who are not comic book people, but more like horror people, or maybe they remember the Swamp Thing movies or the TV show or whatever it is. And they're the like, cartoon. Hey, cool. Right, or the cartoon. And they're like, hey, cool, they're doing a new Swamp Thing series. I didn't even know Swamp Thing was still a thing. I want to check this out, you know? A Swamp Thing. Right, it's a Swamp Thing. Right. So, I I, I know, I'm, and I, I'm a big... Swamp Thing fan, I'm getting the, the, you know, the Alan Moore Absolute. They were saying it was, it was some of that. So, I don't know. This just makes me, you know, worry a little bit about the DC Universe streaming thing, you know? So, I don't know if they think they made a bad choice. I mean, Titans, they already said season two's in, in, uh, production. So, I don't think they're going away. But there's rumors that it might fold into the Warner Brothers, like, overall streaming thing that's coming. Cause everybody's getting a streaming deal. So, we'll see what happens to the universe after, after this. Right. It, this doesn't fill, like, I can't see how this could fill anyone with confidence and or. Those other shows, as you mentioned, Titans, that got greenlit for second seasons, mm-hmm. how that could fill them with hope. Hopefully right. this is an isolated incident. Hopefully this is just a speed bump on the road to them defeating the eventual Disney Plus thing that's being released cool. later this year. That juggernaut. No no way. <laughs> but this is one of those times where DC has the jump on them. You know, they're going to have something that's been in place for the better part of a year that they're going to have all this content already up there and all this original programming. And then Disney plus is just like, yeah, we got a Boba Fett TV show and the Simpsons. Good luck. Yeah, but come on. Hey, do you like pop culture from the last 30 years? We've got two of the most recognizable ones of them all. Alright, so I don't, I'm not really sure. Are you serious that, I look at Marvel Plus as, as what they have, what they have coming and what they announced, mm-hmm. they're gonna put everybody to shame. Listen, at the end of the, even though I looked at, you know, my collection of stuff, I'm like, I got a lot of Marvel stuff, but if you put a gun to my head, I'm gonna say I'm a DC guy. I want DC to win and I want DC to be able to contend. But mm-hmm. like, Disney Plus is, you know, they're they starting, no stopping that, you know? They're they're hitting the ground running on that. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I'm glad DC has a jump on them. You know, they'll have a year to, to get overtaken. You know, have all this stuff ready to go and hopefully have a subscriber base already built in that they aren't already going to be comp- they won't have to go head to head competing. Yeah, but Disney will eventually Disney Plus will eventually have the Muppets. They're done. Disney's DC's done. <laughs> but what if uh, I'm trying to think. Was there like a knockoff Muppets or something? Uh, I think the Muppets. The Muppets. <laughs> Do you remember your boy uh, Dave Grohl was in the Muppets? That's they true. were the. Did you see the Muppet movie? The, just the Muppets one with yes. uh, the guy from yeah, where he had the the knockoff group and it was Dave Grohl as Animal playing drums. I Fantastic. remember uh, 
Muppets Most Wanted, the sequel starring uh, World Wrestling Entertainment spy Dylan Postel. I have no idea what you're talking about. Hornswoggle. Was he in that? He was in that as one of, like, he was one of the featured prisoners when Kermit was in jail. Oh, okay. And with evil Kermit when he was framed. And, uh, like, he shared shared multiple scenes with Kermit the Frog and Ray Liotta. That's that's living. A pre a pre shantics, or what's that smoking thing that Ray Liotta hawks now? I quit smoking with chantics. Yeah, a pre chantics Ray Liotta, and uh, Dylan Pasta was also the star of the Leprechaun reboot. Oh, good. I was worried. Made a lot of money from those things. Won't talk about it though. <laughs> that's all. Anyway. I want DC to win, but uh, they they better get their wins in now before whenever Disney Plus rolls out. That's right. Before but it's like, my that's Muppet. the thing. It's like no matter what DC, DC Universe does, like they're like, oh, we have this Harley Quinn animated director whatever thing, and we've got all this other crazy stuff coming, and Disney Plus is just like, yo, we got the Boba Fett and Simpsons. Good luck. You know, that's right. <laughs> like they got, we got they got other a... stuff, but we're not we we don't even need to tell you what that other stuff is. Yeah, but we have Kelly Cuckoo as uh, Harley Quinn. Kelly Cuckoo. Yes. <laughs> you mean Kelly Cuoco of the Big Bang Theory and yes, uh, I... Ten Steps of How My Daughter's Not a Gremlin? What's the name of the show? <laughs> oh, Inside Baseball. But anyway. Well, no, you, we reference that on After Dark. This is a, this is a plug for After Dark. Yes, I know. I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm ribbing you and helping out. Okay, I'm going to put the plugs here because uh, through dumb luck, we were able to do some cross-promotion with After Dark and At Odds With Wrestling this past week, where At Odds With Wrestling had a follow-up to the gift card scam on After Dark, and After Dark had some discussions uh, regarding wrestling stuff that has permeated its way into my poor Todd's life. I do everything to keep wrestling away from Todd. And every time wrestling comes into Todd's life, I get upset for him. Well, I have to say, I thought it was a very touching story. Right. So. And speaking of which, I have to follow (laughs) up with uh, my co-host over on At Odds with Wrestling because when the show went up live, he was live texting me and on this a Johnny on the spot gift card <laughs> scam that may have been going on. Wow. And I got no follow up to it. Okay. It was just like, yeah, there's an 85-year-old woman here looking to buy a $2,000 worth of same gift cards. <laughs> Not suspicious. Right. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness." And then I got no follow-up texts. Mhm. I just assume that woman is in jail now. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope Timmy's okay. <laughs> I hope Timmy's okay, too. So you can hear all that sort of stuff uh, along with Podvocacy, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, and who knows, Fresher and Parlance, they're on a bi-monthly schedule. They're fancy. Or, you know, whenever we appear on other shows, they show up there. Or if we decide to do a special extra edition of one of the shows over the weekend because there's something big happening this weekend that needs its own special show, all of that stuff will show up over at soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. 
that'll be in the show notes along with the conventions that are happening this weekend. And there are a bucket load of conventions happening this weekend, Todd, all over the United States and all over the world even. Right. Let's uh, start with our uh, friends across the pond in New Zealand, the Cape Town Fan Con in Cape Town, New Zealand. Sam Humphreys is going to be there. Uh, the Little Giants comic show in Concord, New Hampshire, not the Rick Moranis, Tom Arnold film. <laughs> Tom, was Tom Arnold? No, it was Ed O'Neill that was in it. Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill were in a kid's movie about peewee football. Yes, of course, the greatest sport ever. Neither one. Uh, Pee-wee is the greatest sport ever. Uh, mm. Jim Steranko and Al Milgram are going to be there. Stop over and say hi to see uh, Steranko if you get the chance. Here's a wonderful talk. That's right. Make sure you have uh, uh, security with you as well. You know, just make sure there's a lot of eyes on you. <laughs> so you have some witnesses. That's all. You know, just in case. You never know. Uh, the, or the Orland Park. Comic-Con in Orland Park, Illinois. Bob Layton and James O'Barr are going to be there. Right. The Gem City Comic-Con in Dayton, Ohio. Chris Piccolo, uh, Riley Brown, Kyle Hotz, some of the red-letter artists uh, from the 90s and 2000s, some of my personal favorites there. Uh, the New York Comic Expo. Not so much as a Comic-Con, but more of like an art gallery showing thing, Todd. A sale, like uh, it's original art. It's a con for just selling original art, and I would be going to that if I could. But I have a lot of irons in the fire, as we said. See this week's after dark. As a matter of fact, I'll be going. Uh, I'll be going radio silent shortly after this show drops oh, because boy. I don't need any Avengers spoilers. But uh, yeah, I wanted to go. This uh, Mike McNoll is going to be there. Mark Teixeira is going to be there. Um, and also they said like over 50 tables of like original artwork and, you know, pages from books all for sale and 20 bucks to get in, you know, at the, I forget the Pennsylvania hotel. Um, I know where that is in New York. Uh, I just wanted to go in for the day, but I can't swing it. Well, maybe you can go at like five o'clock in the morning. That is a good idea. Break in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Before get all the Magnola art. Yep. All the Mignola art, take it over to our good buddy DJ's house. And taunt him with it. Oh, I got some hell, boy. I got some hell, boy. <laughs> now, uh, I want to mention a couple other conventions, and we're going to get to the two biggie biggies that are happening. Uh, there's the South Texas Comic Con in McAllen, Texas, where William Shatner is going to be. Uh, he's mm -hmm. a guest of honor sort of thing. But also, World Wrestling Entertainers and Husband and Wife Combo Rusev and Lana are going to be there. Oh, truly lovely couple. Mm -hmm. How they doing? Uh, get your Snapchats out. Get some videos with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't report anything that they do to TMZ while they're there. Okay. I'm going to write something down. All right. Uh, so I also... The other one that I want to mention as well before we get to the two biggies is the Boston Kids Comic Fest, uh, which is happening at a library in the greater Boston area, uh, there appears to be no... It's the second annual Boston Kids Comic Fest. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba, a lot of different information for the kids. Like, anyone 13 and under, get in for free. It's a whole big deal. But uh, the guest of honor that's going to be there is Erica Henderson. 
uh, she of Squirrel Girl and Assassination fame. Ooh, I like Assassination. So if you were in the New England area, uh, Boston Kids Comic Fest, go see probably one of the best artists going today for probably little to no money up front, buy some of her art, get a marked picture, and tell her uh, she's awesome. Yes. Get me a sketch, too, mm-hmm. of a character I can't say their name on, on this show. That's right. Uh, but the two biggies this weekend, I would say, uh, one, Calgary Comic Entertainment and Expo. Uh, we've got comic folks like Adam Kubert, Weiss Portacio, Ken Lashley, Nick Bradshaw, uh, Aaron Lapresti, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yes. He's going to be there. On the media guest side, Corey Feldman is going to be there. Uh, Peter Weller, Sting's good friend Robocop. <laughs> uh, Michael Rosenbaum of Lex Luthor and amongst many other things fame. But the biggie, uh, not the biggest Mark Photo get of the weekend, but the biggie for this one, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Tom Wilson, and James Tolkien. All the guy from Back wrote, to the Future are going to be there taking pictures. The guy who wrote Lord of the Rings is going to be there? No, that's J.R.R. Tolkien. This is James Tolkien. He was the uh, principal. Oh, good for him. Mm-hmm. Do you know who You know who would probably drive up to this if he knew is uh, your boy Thunderbolt 712? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's... He has pictures with just about, like, he tries to get pictures with all of them. That or Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think that is a group picture. Like, if I told, I don't know if he knows about that, but the the notes are getting sent shortly after the show ends mm. to wake him up. Now, sadly, the the website doesn't have the prices for the, the, meet, the picture meet and greets there, but that's okay, because you're going to want to save money for Awesome Con in Washington, D.C. Of course, comic book types. They're going to be there. Uh, Tom King, uh, Robert Venditti, Pete, Pete Tomasi, Mitch Gerards, Kyle Starks, friend of the show, uh, the other creative force behind Assassination, Kevin McGuire, I don't know whose friend he is, Greg Capullo, Dave Johnson, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, stacked on the creator side. That would and could and should be enough in the world of sports entertainment. We have Billy Gunn, Sergeant Slaughter, and the aforementioned Stang, a.k.a. Kabuki Crow, a.k.a. (laughs) Real Estate Steve, a.k.a. the Insane Icon. (laughs) He's got a lot of monikers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Weird Al Yankovic is going to be there. Did he? He's a wrestler. No, he's not a wrestler. He gets that. This was like the beginning of the new set of things. Oh, okay. Uh, Greg Sipes is going to be there, and this is like the fourth week in a row that I've mentioned Greg Sipes is out on the the convention circuit. Uh, and who's... voice of Beast Boy on Teen Titans Go? So it makes okay. me happy. One of these days, I'm going to get to a convention. I'm going to get that Mark picture with the uh, Beastie. I, I love the fact that you say you're going to get to a convention. You can't even get to the Scranton cons. No, there could be a con in my front yard. I have to think about it. That's right. Abel's be like, I planned a con in the front yard, and I also planned brunch, so you can't go. <laughs> oh, that was what I saw coming down the freeway, but I still, I stood there and took it. That's right. You, you sold that one. But uh, the big Mark Group photo thingy at this one, and possibly the biggest one, uh, I would say of 2019, uh, in conjunction 
with the world premiere this weekend. And yeah, sure. Okay, Avengers Endgame comes out this weekend. Whatever. You do you, Avengers. All right, sure. That's a thing that's going to happen. But Todd, this weekend, season two of Cobra Kai comes out. Oh. And do you, Todd, want a Mark picture with Danielson? The evil thought to be dead returned from the grave. Sensei Kreese, and of course, the leader of Cobra Kai Dojo, Sensei Lawrence himself. That's who I would go. If I didn't have a million things going on this weekend, I would 100%. DC's only like a three-hour drive, right? That's right. That's... Is that your Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark all rolled into one? Uh, these days it is, yes. That's right. And whenever you see uh, Thunderbolt 712, ask him about his uh, how Sala makes every Indiana Jones movie better theory. I will. Okay. Uh, but again, with the show notes, of course, these links to all these conventions will be over there, of course. Forementioned soon be named network. All the digital sales and freebies that are going on, a lot of the ones that we've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, are starting to roll to an end here. Uh, the DC Shazam one. All those different Oni Press ones, excuse me, Rick and Morty stuff, Invader Zim stuff, that sort of thing. Marvel has their Avengers and Thanos and Avengers Blockbuster and all that other jazz. Uh, but the two new ones that were added is Image is having a sale on all Jeff Lemire stuff, Jeff Lemire stuff, uh, to coincide with the release of Ascender, the sequel to Descender uh, coming out this week. And DC is having just a kind of generic Vertigo sale going on this weekend and uh hey you know things like swamp thing things like preacher things like fables things like sandman those are all included in the sale and those are some of the best comics of all time Mm -hmm. and uh what are the new uh freebies as i had them at my fingertips just a second ago uh the new freebies is eternals number one making a movie Eh, we'll see about that i know they're announcing a lot of casting for that and a lot of uh imaginary tales eternals and shang chi man look out well okay so shang chi is one of the uh, uh, a shang chi one shot uh from the mid 2000s written by jonathan hickman that's one of the freebies this week as well Mm -hmm. Uh, marvel 1602 they ain't making a movie out of that Neil Gaiman, you never know. <laughs> and Miss Marvel number one. Uh, she is in the midst of getting a new relaunch and a new number one. And this was the first uh, new number one of the Kamala Khan character. And uh, that's when uh, I was getting in trade for a while. And that's really good. So uh, check those out. They're all free. How could you go wrong? Mm-hmm. So with all that out of the way, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I would assume we're going to... St- with uh, the book that we are both most looking forward to coming out this week, which was War of the Realms number two, written by Jason Aaron with art by Russell Dutterman. Yes. The war of on Midgard, or as we know it, Earth, is in full effect in New York. Uh, Malekith, his army is, you know, all over the place. And this is the different factions in New York fighting back as uh, the Valkyries and Odin arrive as backup. Um, it's really just a bunch of different, uh, you know, uh, battles. We see different things uh, and how... 
they're trying to evacuate New York, but they can't because uh, Malkith's guy, the, the the Minotaur, who was the head of Roxen, has stopped them from being able to use teleportation spells or teleportation devices, and they have to bring that down so they can uh, get get out the civilians. Um, but it, it, it's really good. It's a, a great issue. I'm shocked to see that there was actually no Thor in this issue at all, which was interesting. Um, but the thing that I did like about it is there's a great moment with Cap. Like, Cap's like, there's some giants around here. I got a way of taking giants out. And it's fantastic. And then when they tell you how many times he's done it, I'm like, I love Captain America. And Jason Aaron and does it really well. Um, they kind of uh, go and, like, you know, the evacuation kind of takes place. But there's casualties because of it and the fallout uh from that is going to uh with the valkyries go into a future book that jason aaron that we discussed earlier that's this is where i see it coming from but uh i liked it uh i think the first issue was better uh just because there was a lot uh a lot more thor different stuff this just seems to be like fight 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 through most of, most of it. But like I said, I still enjoy it. Uh, it's not cluttered with stuff you don't need to know. Go read this. Go read that. I, I like it. It feels very self-contained, as we said last week. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying this. I, I love War of the Realms. Right. So uh, you had mentioned, of course, this is the one where they're like, here are these things that we need to do. And you could kind of see where all of these characters are going to start getting broken up. It's like, okay, you guys are going to go over here and do this, and you guys are going to go over here and do this, and you guys are going to go over here and do this, and I'm sure we're going to get bits and pieces of that in the main book, but I think that's where a lot of these side quests, these other books that, like, maybe you have to pick up, maybe you don't have to pick up, if you really like the idea of them going to take down uh, the the other Rainbow Road, and you like the group of people that are doing that, I'm sure they have books that are going to follow that a little bit more closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a lot in this of a lot of people asking Wolverine, I thought you were dead. And I thought that was cute. I, I like the bits with him, like, you know, just still talking about him doing things that he shouldn't be doing, like Infinity stuff and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's funny. I'm glad that the creators get the company doesn't, but okay. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. And then, of course, there's the whole big thing where while this is being planned, all the Valkyries, including Valkyrie, the main Valkyrie, Brunhilde, if you will, uh, is attempting to take on Malekith's forces, and there are events that directly spin out to the Valkyrie book coming out this summer that we had discussed earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. uh, with that being said, uh, be wary out there because that book title is a big giant spoiler mm -hmm. that you only get part of in this issue. Yes, that was stooged off to me just, like, literally as I was looking for news for, you know, the show, as I always do. And it was like, blah, 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 Valkyrie. And I'm like, really? Like, that's your headline. Right. Not, like, Valkyrie book coming, details inside. No, here's all the stuff you don't need to know right now. Mm -hmm. So, ugh. Uh, but that out of the way, that's, you know, not on this. That Don't let that be an indictment of the quality of this book, because this is a quality book. Mm -hmm. uh, two issues into six, nothing's been delayed, nothing's <laughs> been changed, no Nothing stories added. of extra issues or better endings, none of that. Right. Good to know. So we're on track. 
Now, uh, the other book, uh, again, tangentially related to this, of course, is Thor number 12, written by Jason Aaron with art by Mike Del Mundo. The two had previously teamed up on other issues of Thor, of course, and the Weird World book from a couple of years ago that spun out of the Hickman Secret Wars stuff. Uh, this is essentially a low-key issue. Even though Thor is on the cover, Thor is not in this book really either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, Thor is now becoming Poochie, where it's his event and his books, and he's not in it, and everyone just constantly asks, where's Thor? But no, they're not really asking, where's Thor? Um, we could talk about this, of course, because at the, the big, uh, crescendo moment from issue one of War of the Realms was the frost giant whose name escapes me, but that is the one that is Loki's actual father. Yes, Lawfrey. Lawfrey. He eats Loki, and Loki is then presumed to be dead. And everyone is acting like Loki is dead. We know Loki can't die. He always comes back, and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And this uh, issue is kind of a exploration of Loki's current origin. Yes, and I would say the way they've done future and past Thor to a greater extent. This is tying up the little bits that we've seen future and past Loki stories. Cause obviously it's not Loki's book. It was Thor's that we saw. So now we're starting to get a hint of more of what was, what's coming with the old King Thor. And we see a little bit of the younger Thor had a plan to or the younger Loki had a plan to uh, mess up with Thor, and it didn't quite work. It actually inspired him, and now our like our present time Loki, seeing how all this is playing out, or having a delusion or something. Uh, I'm I just I I like it. I, like I said, I just wish you know, like you said, where's Thor? I wish there was a little bit of more Thor, and it makes me wonder if this is going to be like one of those really tough blackest night trades when they when they end up trading all of this <laughs> because remember how like blackest night seemed to like swerve into like green lantern core and the one shots and you kind of couldn't read them separately i'm wondering if like we get more with avengers and stuff like that how all this is going to be reprinted if that makes any sense right now i have a feeling uh and again this is the first you know quote-unquote big Marvel event that I've been invested in in quite some time. But I could certainly see, of course, War of the Realms being its own separate thing. You get your Thor... Like, I can see maybe the Thor one intermingling right into the main War of the Realms trade, hardcover collection, what have you, and then everything else kind of being kept separate. But we haven't got that first issue of Avengers that ties directly into War of the Realms... Right. And we haven't seen which of the ancillary books are essentials. Right. And I could certainly see them even doing, like, Thor is separate, Avengers is separate, everything else is separate, and then main War of the Realms thing, and then you get, like, oh, here's material from this, and material from that, and material from this. Got ya. Not full issues or not full stories, but it's just like, oh, we gotta throw these six pages in here. To make this story work. Collect it. I gotcha. Now, the other thing, of course, um, to mention with talking about War of the Realms and Thor together. So, with the first two issues of War of the Realms, things were kind of telegraphed a bit. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, and I'm not saying that in a good way, but telegraphed a bit of what Jane Foster's greater role in all of this is going to be. 
I feel as though this issue of Thor, especially with that flashback scene to um, Loki's much earlier ties to Malekith, right? That I think we're being telegraphed a little bit more of Loki's directive involvement in how all of this is going to come to an end. It's okay. not like it's some sort of surprise that Loki is going to, you know, have some sort of baby face turn and help out the goodies and maybe even sacrifice himself when we all thought he was dead and everybody else thought he was not a player in all of this. Mm-hmm. But I'm going on record and saying that Loki is going to be the one that strikes the final blow on Malekith. Uh... I don't, I don't know. I'm wondering if it's going to be Jane. Like, it could be, it, it could to me be anybody, but I do know, like I said, they already discussed a Loki book out of this and what the, uh, the, you know, the, the future ramifications, like you said. So I don't know. I'm, I, that's the one thing that I do like about this is that I, I don't feel like I could see it coming down the pike, like, you know, a thousand miles. Right. I see there's pieces there. But it certainly can go one way or the other. You know, for how long did we think in the way that everything was being solicited that Jane Foster was going to die uh, in the previous arc of Thor, like two arcs ago? It's like, right. Jane Foster's going to die. It's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, she was the most tragic Thor, they were saying. Right. So. And then we she didn't. We'll right. Uh, so, so far, so good. Right. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them in trade, hardcovers, omnibuy, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is still in the lead with one correct guess. And to be honest with you, I can't see that changing too much this week. Right. As I look at Todd's list, he's got a few extra books than me, even a couple that he forgot I put in. <laughs> uh, speaking of such, I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Criminal Number 4. It is not Criminal Number oh! 4. It is actually Ascender Number 1. Hmm. Jeff Lemire's sequel to Descender, which... Probably is my favorite Jeff Lemire project. Really? Yes. I love the art by Dustin Wynn. And when I talked to him when we had the show, I was like, this is, this is your, this is your thing. And like, I, this is, I want to see this in like animation or whatever. But it's not an easy jumping on point because we had at 20, 30 some issues of Descender. And then that happens and things end bleakly. And this, takes place 20 years later. So like the, where the characters, what characters have survived, what have died descendants. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to this, but looking over your list, is it criminal? It is criminal. Right. So the reason I thought, uh, yours was criminal, of course, cause you had forgot criminal initially mm. on your list. Right. And you're like, Oh, I forgot the book. I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. Or maybe I threw you a curve. Right. And there's a Thanos number one coming out. This How is that not your number one book? Because it's neither uh, Jeff Shaw or Jim Starlin. Gotcha. It's some writer that I don't really know. And uh, do you know what I mean? Like that, that draws it back, if that makes any sense. It does. Because I'm like, you're an unknown. I've never read anything you've done. 
this could be really good. This could be really bad. So I don't know. But I know Descender was really good. Interesting. So I'll be, mm-hmm. I, I'm intrigued to see uh, what your thoughts on Ascender are next week. Right. So, Todd, did we have any art? Oh, you wait, before we get to Art Attacks. While you're over at LongBoxHeroes.com, <laughs> be sure to check out all the other stuff that we've done over there, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. This week's After Dark is a discussion of the Sanford and Sons spinoff, stealth pilot, what have you, of the beloved Sanford and Son character, Grady. Uh, also some discussion of Todd and I's plans to attempt to see Avengers Endgame this weekend. Some fascinating discussion over there. Uh, but over here, longboxheroes.com, that, uh, the 2017 smash sensation, Todd and Joe have issues. And of course, we have our store where you can purchase shirts or stickers or pins directly from us. But if you don't want more, if you don't want our fancy logo and you crave more from not only Longbox Heroes, but also the soon to be named network, we do have more designs whether it be at odds with wrestling designs, the Todd Who Enthusiast design, and others as well. Now, while we recorded last week, uh, I said that our T Public store will try to keep you abreast of whenever they have sales going on. They had a sale that went on at 12.01 as the show went live. So I was made to look ridiculous by stating, I'll let you know when there's a sale, and a sale went live. Um, I don't know, keep an eye out. There's probably a sale coming up any moment now. Right. Uh, but another way that you can help us out directly is, of course, by purchasing things through our Amazon click-through, the banner tr- across the top of the page. Bookmark it, save it to your computer, to family members' computers, everyone's computers. <laughs> they won't even know. You could, like, pre-fill it so that when they start typing in Amazon, it'll just automatically come up. Uh, I'm sure there's ways to do it from the app. I haven't figured that out. Uh, I know it's stuff that you have to add to your cart after you click on our link, so it can't be stuff that you already have in your cart, and then you click, I don't know how these things work. I don't know how a lot of things work. I just know that by you making your purchases through there, at the end of the month, it makes Todd happy when he gets his cut of the money. That's right. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week were someone, guessing the same person, purchased the Keto air fryer cookbook for beginners and then the keto diet air fryer cookbook for beginners it sounds like they purchased the same book but it's definitely two different books Mm, probably volstag (laughs) probably volstag somebody purchased the funko pop of shazam aka captain sparkle fingers from the film shazam uh, somebody also purchased an Amazon Fire HD 10 tablet with fancy branded case. Uh, somebody also purchased the Snow Joe Sun Joe EcoSharp battery charger. Uh, that's for uh, a brand of electronic, like weed whackers, snow blowers, etc., etc. Uh, I think that's what my weed whacker is, that brand. So, uh, yeah, getting the battery charger. Good on you. Well, there was a lot of Joes in there, so maybe it is yours. Yes. Uh, someone also purchased two Pawnee Rangers Goddess Scout Vintage T-shirts. And I think that's something from Parks and Recreation. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. Right. Uh, so, again, thank you to everyone for any and all the purchases. Oh, and the other thing that I want to mention somebody did, uh, they did the free trial for Kindle Unlimited. And uh, 
when, you know, on our side, they call them bounties. When you do one of those free trials, we get a kickback for that. Whether you stick with the trial or not, whether you cancel the same day, and that goes for Kindle, that goes for Amazon Music, that goes for Amazon Prime, uh, any Amazon subscription service that exists, whatever that free trial is, and you click through our link to do the free trial, we get a kickback. A bounty, if you will. Bounty gate. That's right. That makes uh, Todd a regular IG-88 and a me uh, Zuckus. I see you more as a Dengar. Mm, I don't know. Dengar's too pretty to be me. <laughs> that is true. You know, that's his origin. He was a very pretty bounty hunter until Han Solo did something to him that turned him into, like, a disfigured robot mummy. Ah, I think he hit him with the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> that's part of the extended universe in the novels that we don't acknowledge anymore. I only know Thrawn, and that's it. Okay. He's, uh, he's Blue Grandma Tarkin. Yeah, Blue Grandma, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, now I can say it. Hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Uh, Jesse DeYoung came back strong with his book of, you know, that has the things that you should draw. And in it, it says a squirrel. And he says, I've been a little preoccupied, but I'm back with a squirrel, dot, dot, dot girl so he drew squirrel girl very nice blew up man he got 26 likes that's like the most likes for art of somebody else's art that wasn't my arts so good on you and also tebow 712 said did you know avengers endgame is coming out this week to celebrate here's a fantastic hawkeye by the one and only george perez though edited in this pic george even personalized it to me and drew an arrow around it absolutely love this sketch i think tebow 712 picked this up at one of the fetish cons by the way oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) no but that's a beautiful hawkeye right there i'm not a hawkeye guy Mm mm-hmm but if I was a Hawkeye guy, I would want this. So I, I will say this. Uh, I did not initially see this because I have Avengers Endgame hashtags, words, etc. Not words, but words regarding Avengers Endgame all muted. So I did not in- initially see this. Two, I like that uh, T-Bolt's whatever uh, went out of the way to edit this so that his name doesn't appear on this. And I know we've said his name multiple times on this show. Mm-hmm. and this will be one of the pieces that I steal when I break into his home and rob his art collection. Good for you. That's <laughs> Don't forget, I'm your accomplice. I get half. That's right. This this is very pretty. Hawkeye Clint Barton is one of my favorite Marvel characters of all time. I'm a sucker for anything that he does. He's one of those characters. To me, he is Marvel's Booster Gold. In that I say, Booster Gold gets a book. I'm going to give it a try because I like the character so much. And I'm I'm intrigued by any and all takes on the character. Same thing with Hawkeye Clint Barton. And you can't get much better than George Perez drawing an 80s-era Avengers character. That's right. Clint Barton, the third best Clint. Uh, well, Clint Eastwood would be the first, and then Clint Howard? Of course. Right. That's, your, that's your Clint ratings right there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> right. Don't want to don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Okay. We have TV talk, Todd. We have Cloak and Dagger. We have Legends of Tomorrow. Wow. If, if you're not a TV person, you don't care. You don't want to hear about these shows. You don't want them spoiled on you. 
Thank you for listening to episode 447 of Longbox Heroes. We'll see y'all next week in the post-Avengers Endgame world. Oh, boy. I'll take a second here, catch my breath. So we got two episodes of Cloak and Dagger to finally catch up on here. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Um, it's really good. They're doing a good job of tying everything together. The third episode was a lot of uh, the origins of how uh, may- uh, Mayhem became a thing. Uh, with Detective O'Reilly, like how the split happened. We learned when there was that big explosion over at the Roxxon Chemical Plant because there was that, uh, what's her name, Mina, that scientist girl that Tandy was trying to, like, infiltrate into her life. Right. She's been doing experiments on some mice, and she figured out that there was, like, that ex- that passage that caused them to split, and it causes some of them to be violent killers, and they kill the other mouse and this whole thing. And essentially that's what happened to Spawn Mayhem to become a thing. Right. Uh, so all the while, of course, we then are revealed that we, we get to see, of course, what Mayhem has set up in uh, Detective O'Reilly's name and face and image. And then they try to track her down by Detective O'Reilly trying to think like her. And, of course, she's already one step ahead of them. But, of course, that leads us to the fourth episode where I think, uh, so the the third episode ends with them, Cloak and Dagger, finding a bunch of those girls that are held up in that house. Right. And them breaking the girls out. Yes, yes. But before, like, as they do, as they get the last girl out, that's when Mayhem comes in and just kind of blows everyone away. So now the girls are gone, the girls are safe, but... From what happened to them when Tandy goes and touches them to use part of her power to see, like, your hopes and your dreams and everything else like that, they have none. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to them was so traumatic. Uh, they have no hopes. They're just essentially like shells of themselves. So now Tandy and Tyrone are going to try to save these girls, even though they're already physically saved, they're going to attempt to mentally save them. Right. And part of, in doing so, uh, for the first time, uh, we get to see Tandy go inside the Dark Force dimension. Now, they didn't, they, they never call it that, but that's what it's called no. in the comic books, where, where Tyrone goes to in the cloak. Right, and did you mention that, because I'm sorry, uh, did you mention that uh, to stop the shooting uh, from saving the girls, that he absorbs mayhem into to the Darkhold? Yes, Okay, I just I got sidetracked. Right, but, so uh, she's in there. Right, and then uh, they there's a whole thing where it's this different world. It's the mall that Tandy used to go to. Mm-hmm. Or no, it's the it's the mall that Mayhem used to go to when she was Detective Riley, but the Mayhem version of her. Gotcha. So as they're in that mall, they're coming upon all these different things. And who's the guy that they find in there? It's the guy who killed uh, Tyrone's brother. Right, and who, yeah. And Tyrone is uh, framed for Riley's boyfriend's murder, I think. Right. And they need Connors. The guy's name is Connors. Uh, They need Connors. He needs Connors alive because 
uh, he could prove that, you know, he didn't, or he, they said he killed Connors, maybe. I forget which one. But they need Connors alive to prove Tyrone isn't a murderer. But Mayhem wants Connors dead because he killed O'Reilly slash Mayhem's boyfriend and stuck him in the refrigerator. Remember uh, Boyfriends in Refrigerators episode from season one? Yes. So that's that's uh, where we're at, I think. So kind of the description of this is kind of disjointed, of course, because I'm playing catch-up and I apologize. I'm finally caught up, so next time we talk about this, it won't be kind of disjointed like this. But I really like the season where it's going. I like the trope that they did in this where inside the mall there's the record store. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And all the album, the artist titles are all the girls that were kidnapped. Right. And all the records essentially are their memories. Right. It's like the record shop is uh, the, a, repre- a, a physical representation in the dark hold of the pain of these people. And they end up finding that Tandy has a section in there. And she finds the records. Obviously, she remembers terrible things happening in her life. But then there's three unwrapped records, and each time they play them, yes, it's a new movie that is being unfolded that she maybe doesn't remember or repressed. We're, we're not sure at this point. And it's like her as a kid and the parents fighting. And I have to say, to me, that was that was truly a great, like, part of the episode and the way it was directed and done and we go through two memories and she's going to do the third one and even murderous mayhem who has this a, a streak tour that she wants to help people is like D- you don't need to watch this listen to this third one and tandy's like leave me alone i'm doing this and i'm like this was really well done yes. i like with the black like just like black backgrounds with the occasional like a window or a door to establish where you were i was like this is beautiful and it's soul crushing at times uh, with the like the memories that she's having. And I'm like, this is why I like, like I said on last week's episode, I, I like this this show because it's not uh, it's not the the, the 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 fighting and the the graphic violence of the Marvel uh, Netflix shows. It's the mix. And this again is like to me the best of the Netflix shows. Uh, at times. And so, like I said, I don't know if I'm coming across with what I'm trying to say, but I really enjoyed it. No, I'm with you. I agree. Uh, I also liked the first album that Tandy puts on and the background music. It's her as a small child, of course, as a baby. And it's that haunting cover that I've never heard of the Britney Spears baby one more time. Right. Britney, get well. Hopefully she's okay. I, I know she's a fan. She listens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that added so much to it. And as Todd mentioned, the way it's shot, the way it's framed, uh, the the actress who plays Tandy, uh, what's her name? Olivia Hall, great actress. Mm-hmm. Great actress. And I would say that this is probably my favorite episode of the season, of the show so far. Right. This of both great. seasons? Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, um, and then, and then we, of course, we get the bit where they come out of the, I know you're saying dark, or do they call it dark hold in the show? Because I know in the comics, it was called the dark force dimension. All right. I'm saying dark. Hold. You know what the dark hold is? Hmm. Dark hold is, and I think they mentioned it in the Avengers story with the vampires. The dark hold was the, the magic book that created vampires or gotcha. something. So I'm doing one of those, I'm mashing up things, I apologize. Right, so they come out of the dark force dimension, Mayhem comes out, Tandy comes out, 
and so does the cop who killed Tyrone's brother all that time ago, and he's back on the loose. Right. While all this was going on, though, Tyrone was, you know, on the run from the people. They recognized the, the the people that were arrested that had the girls kidnapped in the house. All the gang members were taken to the police station, and they ended up seeing, which I thought was a great, another great reveal. Like the whole thing with Tandy's amazing in, in the in the in the Dark Force, but they they realized like the guy, the the kid who's the gang member is like looking at something, and you don't you can't see what it is. It's too small, and you're like, and you realize it's Tyrone's picture that it's you know his water poster, and he's like, all right, I know who he is, and I have a name. Let's track down his family, and we'll get him. And things go sideways because while Tandy's inside the the force that that gives Tyrone his powers, his powers don't work. So he can't teleport his mother away to save when they're coming to to hurt her. So he's on the run, which is really good. And there's the there's a great scene which. I don't want to get deep into it because it's something me and you will never understand where he's a potential cop killer, but he's black. So they're trying to work out that he's going to give himself up because his powers don't work. And, and uh, O'Reilly, who's not the mayhem version, the good version is like, I've, I've worked it out. They're going to come in and they're going to take him because he surrendered. And as they take him out, they're like, we're kicking in this door doing this. And the mother's like, they are going to shoot him. They think he's a cop killer. There's no, like, this isn't how it works with us. She, she's trying to explain to O'Reilly. And I'm like, wow. Like I, like I said, I'll never understand it, but I thought it was a great scene. Luckily, he gets his powers back just in time to get away. And like we said, the oh, oh, uh, Connors comes out of him and everything. He's in the church. And then I kind of giggle that oh, oh, Connors just kicking the window out and running away. It was just like, she's like, I'm, I'm in the wind. I'm like, but good episode. Good episode. Yes. Absolutely. So, last but not least, the most recent episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, a rare instance where we've got four plots going on uh, in this episode. So, I would say that you're A and B, and you could argue which one is A and which one is B, uh, which is Nora and Constantine battling with Neron. Uh, of course, the, the play back and forth there. Uh, we found out that Neron had kidnapped Ava, and they assumed that it was because he was going to move into a new host body. We later learn that he was going to be bringing another de demon with him to use Ava as the vessel to save Ava from what she was in. Sarah went into Purgatory? Yes. And Purgatory essentially was a big box, box. store, essentially? Which was where uh, uh, Sarah worked. Remember when they all needed to get jobs? Yes. So that was like them. That's their per. I found that amusing. And Gary was their guide through it, giving them all these different tasks to do uh, to escape from it. And it was all these like little domestic tasks, like pick out a mattress and uh, you know tidy up, tidy up, and all the things like this. And then we have our C and D plots, which was uh, 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 Nate and uh, Ray. Ray following up on Nate's father's stuff of building the theme park with all the mystical creatures. And then the D plot is Zari is going to send a text to Nate because she likes him. Yes. <laughs> and Mona and, uh, is helping. 
Right, and everybody else who doesn't have anything to do this episode, uh, they're all helping her with her text. You would think, even though uh, Nora and Constantine are more of your mystical types, I don't know, you got three people hanging out doing nothing, maybe go give them a hand. That's what I thought. Um, now, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take a couple things that you said. You, you were trying to figure out which is the A and the B plot, whether yeah. it was Ava and Sarah, or, you know, uh, Nora and John Constantine. I go, it's Sarah and, and Ava, because anytime you insert Gary into a storyline, it immediately becomes the A plot. <laughs> so that was one of the things. That was one of my, my favorite things. Anytime you add Gary, like, you know how you're saying it, it missed last week? It didn't hit the notes that you wanted. Yeah. The, the ludicrousness. Gary immediately brings that ludicrousness. When he, when he had the healing stones and all the stuff around them in the, in the sick bay, I was crying. I'm like, that's Gary to a T and he's sleeping there and he's gonna, he's got Ava issues and we find out Ava's got Gary issues. It's, <laughs> it's like, there's, there's what we need. We need more Gary. So uh, that, that's the thing that I like. But the, the story that affected me most was probably the weakest story, which was her trying to send the text because she's trying to figure out what emojis are. I hate emojis. Like she's like, and Mona actually says it. She's like, she, she, well, uh, Zari's talking to Mona, Mona and she's like, I don't know what any of this means. And she's like, that's good. That way, if you send it and it flops, you could say, I made a mistake. I was trying to say something else. And I'm like, I hate emojis. And this, I'm stuck. I am stuck on this as they're talking and they're talking about eggplants and hot dogs and donuts. And I'm like, I get it. I get the, what they're trying to hint at, but I just absolutely hate emojis. I had to get that out. How could you hate emojis? I guess with that good movie, how could you? That movie's pretty bad. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought everybody had some good stuff to do, even if you were in the C and D plots. Uh, I really thought the A and B plots, as mentioned, were probably some of the strongest stuff it's been all season. And I know that you had mentioned, of course, when they do the ridiculous stuff, it's missing uh, Gary. I think part of why last week was as weak as it was, because Ava wasn't in it. I think Ava is a really good... Uh, kind of like straight woman, uh, straight woman, I guess would be one uh, pun intended. I was going to say like kind of the sounding board, kind of like a lightning rod, kind of the foil, the uh, thing that kind of keeps everything together. She's kind of like an emotional core to Sarah, who is, you know, our lead character of the show. And when Sarah doesn't have her emotional core, I think the show suffers a bit. Let me try one more word. I think I got it. She grounds everything. Right. And see, the thing, Ava grounding, Gary makes everything more ridiculous. When they're both together, you've got the perfect balance for the show. Okay, fair enough. That's I, I, I will totally agree with that. Even so, so much so to say that um, no bad wigs, no crazy hats. Right. I uh, Two things that I would like to add is I did like with Neron, and he's in John's uh, ex-boyfriend, where it, it, he was doing the whole thing. Like Wherever he went, he caused chaos and anger, and he was whistling the Pop Goes the Weasel song. 
uh, to me, that's not super creepy. Mm. Like, it's not the, the most scariest thing I've ever seen, but I liked it. And then when we find out, I like that it, they worked up to a, to a good reveal, which we saw coming a mile away, was that Neron's now in Ray's body. Oh. And I did like where he he's like, dogs normally like me. And he's tying his shoe and he gets up and he starts whistling, Pop Goes the Weasel. I was like, all right. that I mean, yeah, I saw it coming, but I thought it was really well done. You know what I mean? Yep. And the other thing, of all the stuff that we talked about Tandy doing, the record store visions, I thought, you know, this was, you know, after you see that and you see the big box store visions, which work for the Legends version of it, you know what I mean? I really, I have to admit, I really liked, like, the tidy up stuff was like, okay, the bed thing, I really liked the bed scene. They actually got older actresses to play them. Yes. And it, I thought that was a truly touching scene where they sit down and they're like, they're discussing price versus warranty and how long a man, and they're, they're talking typical, like, just like, you know, crap, like, I believe in this and I believe in that. They sit on the bed and they're kind of old. She's like, wait a minute. Well, it's a three year and then the five and they go to the 50 and they're talking about life. And I'm like, all right. I, when, when legend wants to bring that, they didn't do it as well as nowhere near as cloak and dagger, but the, of all of them, the the mattress scene I thought was Ava and Sarah's finest moment in this episode. Absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. And if the show wasn't long enough, I forgot to mention it up front. We have the Flash to talk about as well. Oh my God! I completely forget. Yeah. Didn't at the beginning of the show. Yep. So I, I hate to give sh- Flash short shrift because Cloak and Dagger was really good this week. Uh, Legend of Tomorrow was really good this week, and I thought Flash was really good this week. Mm-hmm. Um. Nora's origin story, essentially, of how she discovers that she has powers, uh, how she learns to work her powers, and how she ends up getting with Eobard Thawne as essentially her mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we have bookend stuff with the main cast in current day and date. Uh, we got a v- very little bit of Barry. I know last week you talked about, like, oh, I wonder if Barry's gonna, or who's gonna be gone this week because they're filming other stuff. But this was like the Nora showcase episode. Right. But again, it worked because who did Nora have to work off of? She had, uh, what's his face who plays Eobard Thawne. Right. Uh, again, I'm kicking myself that I can't remember. Yeah. It's a long night. This, this, uh, Tom Cavanaugh. <laughs> Tom Cavanaugh. Right. So, um, the one bit of business and some folks tweeted, <laughs> tweeted us about this. Throughout the course of the episode, they keep teasing iris the appearance of iris in the future right right and it's like oh you missed your mom's call or all oh, your mom's calling or oh your mom was just here and we don't get her until the beginning of the third act of the show right. and it's just like no old timey makeup no anything to make her look older they just put some white in her hair <laughs> right they threw chalk ground up chalk on her Right, and it wouldn't have stuck out so much to me if we didn't see them actually take the time and effort to make the characters look older. Now, granted, it was with older actresses on Legends of Tomorrow, the show you ex- expect <laughs> to be scrimped on, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally agree. I, th- I think they may gave her a crow foot, not crow's feet. <laughs> they gave her, like, one to give her a little wrinkle in the eye. They gave her a crow foot. Oh, I thought she was but, wearing it around her neck as a necklace. Yes, a, a totem, if you will. Right. But uh, this episode I liked because uh, Kavanaugh as 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 Eobard, but 
it was, and I like the bit where he gives her the speech. He's like, you have to vibrate through the wall. And he gives the same speech that he gave Barry back all the way in season one, but it doesn't work because she's scared. And obviously that works because when she shows up in our time, she doesn't, she doesn't know what she's doing, but, uh, I've seen the run insert name run thing. Yeah. It's, uh, what do you, uh, uh, it's diminishing results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at, before it was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. When, when he does it with Barry, goosebumps out the wazoo. And then like, there's a little bit later, somebody else gets speed and, and they use it and it's reversed. And then, you know, then, uh, uh, what's uh, his wife's name? I'm Iris gets it and they tell uh, run Iris run. I'm like, all right, everybody's been told to run at some point. Let's get away. It's five seasons. Let's get away from this. You're, diminishing results like i said so i did like it but eobard was the best part and i love that he had a big belly burger for his last meal <laughs> and hey godspeed looked really cool i love the design and the look of the costume yes i do like that where she bumps into him at the the museum and doesn't realize it you know what i mean and then yep. he's running around i'm like that might be the best speedster costume on the show absolutely of all, of all the ones yes yes uh, it looked it looked the coolest, and they did like dark with it. They did light with it. They didn't do natural light. And I remember earlier this season they did that scene with um, Cicada where everyone's fighting outside in natural light, and I'm like, oh, these costumes look so cool in natural light. And that was the only thing that was missing. If I got a chance to see Godspeed's costume in natural light, it would have completed the trifecta of the coolest costume on the show. Right. And I'm still trying to figure out who the villain of the show is. Okay. Because, like I said, we have Godspeed now. We have Cicada's daughter in our time as older. And Eobard's involved. Which I think all of this is Eobard doing something. I have a few theories. But, like, it's Eobard. So, like I think I might have said on the show before. When you have either Cicada or Godspeed or whoever. And they're the main characters. And Eobard shows up. Even if he's only in every third episode, Eobard's your main villain. <laughs> I would have to say so. So I don't. I want to see where it goes, but I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, hook. I think you're 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 giving me a you know a bill of selling me a bill of goods where it's like a, not another speedster as a villain as the overarc. We're like, you know what? We're gonna give you more cicada, but over the course of a season. But it's really gonna be Eobard as a villain. So you can't say it's another speedster villain who's the master mastermind no i think i think we're gonna get there eventually mm -hmm. so but all in all a good good week uh good seven days for the uh shows that we watch and talk about here on the show mm -hmm. all right i think that's the end todd i think that is the end no mm -hmm. more here we're gonna do our catchphrases and out that's right so everyone thanks for listening to episode 447 of Longbox heroes for todd this is joe saying thanks for listening and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs>